Hello, hello, y'all. Hey, it's me, Robin. And before we get into today's episode, I'm here to let you know that the club is open right now for new members. I'm going to take a couple minutes to fill you in on all that the club is offering right now. So if you know for sure you're not interested in joining the club, you're just going to want to hit the forward button a few times until you hear that baffling behavior show jingle. Okay, so the club is a virtual community for families of kids with vulnerable nervous systems and big baffling behaviors. Many families in the club are parenting kids with a history of complex trauma, but definitely not all. Some are parenting kids with vulnerabilities that emerge from their neurotype or their sensory system or their giftedness or their neuroimmune disorder. And of course, some have no idea why their child's nervous system is so vulnerable. The primary purpose of the club and why I've created it the way that I have is connection and co-regulation. Because when I reflect back on my time as a therapist, it wasn't the skills and strategies and tools and techniques I taught parents that mattered the most. What mattered most was how connection and co-regulation strengthened their owl brain so that they could stay more regulated in the face of the chaos in their home. Then they could, number one, actually use the tools, and number two, start to feel a little bit better even before the tools started to work. The club can be accessed online both through your browser on your computer and through an app. And it's open, of course, 24-7. There's a very active forum, a huge video library, and multiple live events every month. Sometimes I teach a masterclass on a specific topic. Sometimes we come together for group coaching or just to ask questions and pick, pick my brain. We have two sessions every month called Connect and Co-Regulates, and those are designed to offer exactly that. There's no teaching, no coaching, just a place for you to be seen and heard by people who get it. Currently, we are also offering once a month bonus sessions for siblings of dysregulated kids. The club is intended to be kind of like a buffet. There is a ton in it, not because you're supposed to do everything in the club. You take what you need when you need it and come back when you're ready for more. If you could use a little extra support, consider joining us. You can read all about all the details over at robingobel.com slash the club. I'll put a link in the show notes And we're open today until the end of the day, Friday, May 3rd. All right, y'all, here's that episode you're waiting for. Hello, hello, it's me, Robin. And you're listening to the Parenting After Trauma podcast, where I take the science of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human and translate that for parents of kids who have experienced trauma. I'm a psychotherapist with over 15 years of experience working with kids who've experienced trauma and their families. I'm also a self-diagnosed brain geek and relationship freak. I study the brain kind of obsessively and even taught the science of interpersonal neurobiology in a certificate program. I started this podcast on a whim with the intention of just getting you free, accessible support as fast as possible. So the podcast isn't fancy and I do very little editing. If you love this episode, go ahead and add Parenting After Trauma to your favorite podcast player, share with your friends and colleagues. Then after you do that, head over to my website and download the free ebook I wrote all about the brilliance of attachment. Readers of the ebook are saying that not only is the book beautifully laid out and easy to read, it's offering them a perspective on attachment that they've really never heard before, and it's shifting things for them. You can download that ebook for free at robingobel.com slash ebook. And while you're over on my website, you're definitely going to want to check out my calendar of upcoming trainings for both parents and professionals at robingobel.com slash trainings. I have a huge announcement coming up for professionals. And depending on when you're hearing this announcement or hearing this episode, I may have already made that announcement, but as of this recording, I'm still waiting to put all the finishing touches on it. 
Just trust me when I say that something unique and amazing and game-changing is coming for professionals who work with kids and families. In today's episode, you're going to hear from J.D. Wilson, co-host of the Empowered to Connect podcast and dad. J.D. is raw and real and vulnerable and fun. If you don't already know J.D. from his podcast, you'll love him by the end of today's episode, and you're going to definitely want to start listening to Empower to Connect. J.D. in today's episode talks about his own journey as a parent, from the confidence that he had that he'd be a rock star parent because he was an A-plus babysitter, to the humbling realization that he had no idea how to parent the kids that he had, to looking for and finding connection in brain-based parenting through Empowered to Connect, to launching and co-hosting the Empowered to Connect podcast. Through it all, J.D. maintains humor and humility. His respect for his kids and their journeys, as well as his own, is truly inspiring. Today's episode is sponsored by The Club, my virtual community of connection, co-regulation, and of course, a little education for parents of kids impacted by trauma. The Club was an idea I had last year that frankly is just far exceeded what I ever dreamed was possible. And that's only because of the extraordinary caregivers and professionals who make up the very fabric of the club. The way they bravely show up for each other and themselves has exceeded what I ever thought was possible. If you need to feel seen, to be gotten and understood, we would love to have you. If you head over to robingobel.com slash the club, you'll be able to add yourself to the waiting list and be the first to know when we open our doors again for new members. I first met J.D. Wilson earlier this year when I was invited to be a guest on his podcast, the Empower to Connect podcast. I really had no idea what I was getting into and truly the best way for me to summarize my experience on his podcast was just laughter and fun. I was so excited that JD agreed to come then on my podcast. I don't want to delay this any longer. Let's go. Well, everybody, I'm really excited to welcome JD Wilson to the show today. You may have heard, I'm sure actually you've heard the Empowered to Connect podcast, which is how I've had the great fortune to, to connect with JD. And then here we are doing a little swap. So thanks for being with, here, with me here today. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, this is going to be fun. We had so much fun. We just laughed our heads off last time. So that's my goal. Can we laugh as hard as we did? It'll be tough, but you know, I'm committed. We'll do it. We'll we'll find a way. That's fantastic. Well, let's just start at the very beginning and tell everybody who's listening, like who you are and why I've invited you here. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So I'm JD Wilson. Um, I'm you know, originally from Atlanta, Georgia, I'll give the quick bio, um, mm-hmm. went to college at Auburn and, uh, met and married my wife there. We moved to Birmingham, Alabama, never thought we'd leave. That's where her family was. Um, and we just thought, Hey, we'll just make a life here and it'd be great. And we, uh, I'll say, you know, started, started family journey, uh, had a miscarriage early on. We were devastated by that, you know, didn't understand why that would happen. And we're just really, um, really sad, but honestly, and, and we had always wanted to adopt it, always been part of our kind of family plan, so to speak. And so, uh, went through that process to adopt and, and ended up adopting from, uh, a city nearby, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, we knew nothing about. And so, um, in, in less than a year, we went from having, uh, no kids at all to <laughs> having, um, one son through adoption. And then, uh, surprise eight months later, uh, here comes our first biological daughter. And so we, um, yes, we've, we've now got, uh, four kids total, uh, two through adoption. Our oldest and youngest came through adoption, uh, two biologically. And so we are, uh, actually living in Memphis now. And so, um, years ago in a much more boring story, uh, took a job here. And, uh, when we got to Memphis, I met, uh, Mo and Tana Ottinger and, um, we were, man, we were, we were drowning as parents. Like I think meeting Mo and Tana, uh, one, we were meeting them in a setting like at our, in a church that, uh, happened to be a, a multi-ethnic church, which we had never been a part of before, a minority-led church we'd never been a part of before. Uh, that dynamic of us being able to walk into, a, uh, and it could have been a church, a Target, whatever, 
Right. Us being able to walk into a space, having uh, two African-American kids, two white kids and us, and no one batted an eye at it was a, it was a change. It was a game changer for us. Like we're like, okay, if there's a place where we're, we're like welcomed and accepted, like we're in, we'll be here. And Mo and Tana, we met shortly after and, and also they had a huge family and uh, we're just great people. We love them. And so as, as we got to know them, you know, we kind of started kind of confiding in him, like, okay, we don't, we don't really know what we're doing here. Like we're, we're kind of drowning as, as parents and um, all the stuff we thought we knew growing up that was going to work, like how we were parents, it, it is not working. And he just kind of smiled and, and said, hey, you guys ought to jump in our parenting class. Um, we, we teach a parenting class, you know, it's a 10 week deal. Um, it's, you know, and, and he didn't go into any of the trauma informed, any of that stuff. He just said, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of adoptive foster families uh, tend to take it. It's for anybody. So y'all should jump in. So we jumped in. That's how we were introduced to Empowered to Connect, which um, if you if you don't know the history of Empowered to Connect, the kind of one sentence summary is um, Dr. Karen Purvis, who I feel like everyone in this world sort of knows her work, was rock and rolling at TCU, um, kind of founding what would later become the Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development. She worked with a family called uh, the Monroe's, and uh, they, their family's life was changed forever by her work. And they said, Hey, we've got to make this accessible to uh, not just professionals, but to parents as well. So they took what Dr. Purvis was working on professionally and kind of adapted it. So if you've read the book, the connected child, which is Karen's book. um, If you've read that book, the Monroe's kind of with Karen's help took uh, the connected child and adapted it into a, a parenting curriculum for, um, you know, early on, primarily for families whose kids had experienced trauma or loss early. Um, and whether that was through adoption or foster care or, you know, early childhood trauma of other types and sorts, whatever. They developed that course. Mo and Tana were one of the first couples to go through the class um, when they came into exist- to existence. And uh, they came back to Memphis and we're just teaching the class. And um, so when we went through that class, it was you know, it, it changed our lives forever. I, I had no idea, um, you know, how the brain worked. Number one, uh, two, I had no idea what early childhood trauma does to the brain. Number three, I had no idea at all that that stuff could then affect, uh, and present in ways that would, that would disguise itself, uh, as, you know, maladaptive behavior or whatever. And, um, and so all these things that were going on with us, we started to like, peek into this behind this curtain and go, Oh, Oh shoot. We, we, yeah. uh, we, we need to backtrack a little bit here. Like we've, we've been doing this thing wrong and, and I don't know, right. You know, wrong is probably not the right word yeah. for it, whatever. Um, it was wrong. Like we, were just, we just were, <laughs> think, we were misguided. Right. Yeah. I think we can say that it, in looking back, it isn't the way that you would choose to parent now. And I also, but I also do hearing you say that with lots of compassion for yourself, like you're not judging yourself sure. or yeah. saying like, we're oh, really no. screwing up, but yeah, like, it wasn't what our, our kids needed. It wasn't how we wanted to parent. Sure. Yeah. And I think, so I think looking, looking back at it now, we can go, oh, okay. So now that we have this information, this, this requires us to sort of you know, operate differently. I think maybe the biggest shock for us, and, and this might sound, you know, to those of you who are listening, who have been in this world for a long time, just close your ears for a second. But like for, <laughs> for us, we were like, oh, wow, this, this like way of parenting, this attachment centered idea of parenting is just as good for our biological children as it was for our kids through adoption. And then we were, you know, then it caused us to backtrack even more and go, wait, so I bet we've got some stuff we need to work through too. And, you know, we weren't blind to that. We both knew we had issues and we had a pastor who used to say uh, marriage is the joining together of two hopelessly uh, messed up people hoping to do something perfect. And he's always <laughs> like, what could go wrong? So yeah. I think we had a healthy understanding that we were, um, that we brought our own sets of baggage into parenting and all that. And we were, you know, trying to work through that. But I think this, this, uh, that first wave of classes uh, really unveiled a lot in us and um, beginning to learn about attachment cycles and then adult attachment styles and all that. And I just wanted to like start unlearning all of it and be like, no, I, I, this is too much. I want to give this back. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want to work through my own past and my own trauma. Like, I don't, this is not what I signed up for, you know? And, uh, but as we did, and as we did start to unpack all that, like it, um, it just brought this, uh, level of closeness for us, um, as, as a couple, number one, and then two, um, as a family that I don't think would have been uh, possible had we continued down the path we were going on before. So, um, so a few years ago we were, uh, we had taken the class a few times. We'd stayed really connected with ETC. We were always, you know, big proponents of it from afar. Um, and then 
we were um, asked to, to jump into a training course, like the train the trainer course from Power Technique to actually be uh, parent trainers and teach the course. And so uh, we, you know, consider that a huge honor. We were, we were really excited to do that. And so we've been teaching the course for, a, I don't know, a few years now jumping in and obviously COVID kind of turned that into zoom classes instead. Um, and during that process, uh, I was talking with Outingers and, and uh, I'd, I'd had an episode recently of, of just being so frustrated as a parent. And my wife walked in and said, Hey, will you please go for a run or something? Get out of this house for a minute. You need to cool off. Like you need to go regulate yourself. Like, and, and usually my mechanism for that is to get out and run um, mm-hmm. or ride the bike or something. So I'm out running and I'm, I'm stopping and stretching and, and uh, looking for a podcast to listen to. And uh, it, it just kind of hit me. Like, I don't, I don't know why ETC doesn't have a podcast. Like this is exactly the moment that I need. Like I need these reminders of how to like, how to you know regulate myself and how to, you know, want to be a good parent and, uh, and want to dig in, like be present and all that. And so later on, I was talking to Ottingers and, and, uh, asked that question and they both kind of hesitated and they said, Oh, we're really glad you asked that. Um, what if you hosted it? (laughs) And so uh, I was like, well, I wasn't asking to do it. I just, I want y'all to do it. You know, I wanted to listen to it. That's right. I just want to be a consumer. (laughs) Um, so we, uh, you know, kind of talked over the next few weeks and, and kind of laid out a plan. And so it just really started for, for me, like not as a job, but just as uh, kind of Elizabeth and I as a family, it was just sort of our family offering, you know, to like, Hey, if we're going to serve in some way as a family, uh, this can, this can just be our main outlet is like being with ATC and helping out and doing whatever we can. And so at the moment that was, you know, a huge outlet. And so we started the podcast. I think we've, we've all been shocked at, like the reception that it's gotten. And, um, and then, you know, for me, like it's been infinitely helpful for parenting. Like I'm the host and I kind of have a, a background in somewhat like I understand kind of media world and recording and I, in a, you know, far off age. I used to DJ. So I understand sound equipment and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, but I'm usually just on there to kind of introduce people and ask some questions. And so like, I'm not on there as a content expert necessarily, just somebody who's like struggling along, like our audience is like just trying to, to gain some helpful nuggets along the way. And it's been unbelievable. Like some of the guests that we've had and, um, and the, the reminders for me every week as we record of like, why, why we choose to do this and, and why it's so uh, helpful and, and hopeful for our, for our families um, to do it. So that's been, uh, we just, we just passed our kind of one year anniversary and, um, you know, I, it's been awesome. It's been really, it's been a really great journey. So I jumped on staff in November with ETC, uh, to be the director of communications and, um, and, uh, yeah, we've been doing that, uh, ever since. So that's that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, November wasn't that long ago in a way. November seems like a trillion years ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. I didn't realize yeah. how like quickly all of that had. Right. Right. To be, huh? Yeah. Wow. I love that. So my first, I have a lot of questions. My first question is you, you know, you and I don't know each other well, but right. we've been able to have like joyful, fun, engaged, connecting experiences. Right. And so my impression of you then is exactly those things, right? That you're this joyful, engaged, connected guy, yeah. like this connected parenting thing. I'll bet that was a cinch for you. But then there's also a part of me that also lives in the real world. It is like, no, because right. it's not for anyone. And I'll bet there could even be somebody listening who's already had the same thought about you that I had. Like, well, this guy sounds fun. I'll bet oh, connected sure. parenting right. was just a, like a walk in the park, like this really easy switch. And right. so I have found, you know, I have found I've become so more, so much more attuned lately to this, what for me, feels like this unintended byproduct of, of like spreading this message to the world, not just about parenting, but about kind of humaning is discovering that sometimes there's this new layer that crops up for people of of some shame, right? Like I should have known this before, or this isn't easy for me. And I watch it be easy for everyone else. Or even though I know all these things, I'm still not doing it. Yeah. It's just like, so I think it's so important to be, just keep it real with everyone. I work hard to keep yeah. it real. Like, oh no, I struggle with this every day. That's probably why I do this for a job because I need to in 100%. order to like be yeah. in the world in the way I really 
want right. to. Right. And so I would love to hear that. Like what, what was hard? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything. Everything was hard. Everything was hard, Robin. Like the, you know, I think for me, just the paradigm shift. And I don't think I ever would have labeled myself a control freak. Like mm-hmm. I am the way that we are in conversation. Uh-huh. I just am that way with yes. everybody. Right. And like, as my wife and I were, were dating and then as we were early on married and, and just like, you know, finding our way in community and stuff. When we were in Birmingham and we used to babysit all the time for people. And, uh, and part of this is even bringing up the trauma of like, where are those people now to be getting that service back to us? (laughs) But like, we used to babysit people all the time. And like, I mean, we were legends in that world, like legends. We were the most fun. Everyone wanted us to come babysit. But there was a, that's the easiest gig in the, in the world. That's the easiest gig in the entire world. If you have a fun personality, because you come in, you're just more fun than mom and dad, because you're not exhausted from parenting them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. And, and they don't know what you're like when you snap, or they don't know what you're like in your worst moments. They haven't seen you in an ugly moment where you acted out of character when you, the way you shouldn't have. So you just walk in, you're just fun and you're making up songs and you know, whatever. And like, we would do that all the time. And so I, I genuinely, before we became parents, I thought like parenting, <laughs> like I was made for this. Like, this is, I'm going to be like, I have no, I, I will have no problems parenting. Like I'm going to be the, the easiest going best yeah. parent ever. And yeah. then we had kids. And I think that experience of, of just a lack of, a lack of equational control, like in most of the areas in life, like, if, so if I want to train for a half marathon, I just have to run. Like, but if I run enough, like, and consistently enough, I'm going to run the half marathon. And if I run it fast enough and I train well enough and all that, like if I put in the work, then it's, it's good. I'm going to, I'm going to have the result that I desire for the most part, you know, um, parenting, you, you almost like you can't avoid the work and then you are not guaranteed anywhere near a result, right? Like you have no idea what's going to happen. So I think as that, truck hit me as we started parenting that's where we that's why we felt like we were drowning was because like i like wait time out what do you what do you mean you don't want to do what i just asked you to do? like i just asked you to go upstairs to your room and clean it. like yeah i don't want to do it either but you gotta like i like just i had this incredulousness of like what are you wait what like how are you i thought you loved me like why are you responding to this way you know yeah and i'm like talking to a three-year-old this way right like right. why are you throwing your broccoli in the floor i don't get this that's like real and so, you know, those, those moments got heavier and more, uh, and more serious feeling as kids got older. And then I'm like noticing and starting to panic, like, what if we're not like attached well? And what if, like, what if I just suck at a, as, as a parent? Like, what if I'm not a good parent? And like, I'm just, I was a fun babysitter, but I can't cut it when it comes to the all day, everyday stuff, because I was finding myself just in those moments where a meltdown would happen. I had no idea what to do. Like, and we had, we had deviated away from, um, corporal punishment being kind of the thing in our house. Like we were both, you know, spanked growing up, uh, liberally, like, and, and it, um, it never crossed my mind. That wouldn't be a part of our, our house growing up until it was a part of our house and it wasn't working. And, um, and when those results were not coming that we were expecting or hoping for, it was a, a little bit of a panic. And so as we started into this connected parenting journey, it was like, okay, but then I forget, you know, I forget my tools or I forget my different tactics or, or scripts, like the little one-liners I have in those moments. So like somebody's melting down. I'm like, uh, uh, I, and you know, like, I can't, I can't remember what to say to be connected. Right. right. <laughs> I love you driving me crazy. And so I that's think very yeah, honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just, it is what it is. Like, yeah. yeah, that, that whole, like, uh, that whole first few years felt like I was just running through a swamp, like just could not get going because it was such a mindset change. And out, you know, outside of a very small community, it was a small community that was growing of folks in uh, Memphis who had gone through the same parent ETC courses and were parenting that way. But outside of that, in most interactions, you know, people look at you like a crazy person if, you know, if a kid, you know, chucks something on the floor in Target and you're like, okay, but let's have a redo. And they're like, you know, people look over like, oh, uh-huh. a redo. 
like I'd smack him if it was mine. Like you, yes. you ain't got no control over there. And so like, it's a, you know, you throw in those cultural dynamics too, when you might have like an observer who has the same skin tone as one of your children and they're melting down and you're trying to parent in an ultra intentional specific way. But what it looks like is, oh, white people, man, can't cut it. Like they don't want to do this thing. And I get it. And I get like, I would totally think the same thing out of context. Right. And so it's a, it, it was all those factors kind of swirling that were, were really impossibly hard early on. And, and I think, I mean, it's not less difficult now. I just think I have a, a, some muscle memory of how to do it. You know, like I have some muscle memory of like what it means to do that. And here's what I think the one of the big game changers for us was the first time that I dug in with the kid in a meltdown and just like sat down the block. I was like, Hey, we're not going to run away. I'll give you whatever space you want in here, but I'm just going to sit down by the door and just whenever you're feeling okay, we'll talk again. And, and you know, I had to wait a blanket or whatever. And, um, and so we're kind of giving them mechanisms to, to calm down. But just because of nap time and other factors, I was like, I can't let you run out of this house and go nuts right now. So I'm just going to sit here with you. I mean, it was probably an hour and a half of, of just sitting there and like, you ready to talk now? Okay. All right, cool. I'll just keep checking Twitter, you know? And so then, uh, and eventually at some point, like I, you know, I just, there was a kind of wave of empathy and compassion that came over me and I was able to say, Hey, in a way that just sort of like, got this kiddo's attention and they just sort of like looked at me and I was like, Hey, what's going on? And it, and just it kind of floodgate came open and it was the first time that it worked basically. This is probably a year and a half. And it was the first time that I had like really stuck to my guns and like held on to I'm not going to lose my mind. I'm going to stay. I'm not going to take things personal here. I'm not going to make it personal here. I'm going to like stay in with you. I can see that you're not in your right mind. And I'm going to stick with you until you can get back to your whole functioning brain again. And when I did, it was like, I mean, I was like, I might as well have like, you know, run down the street. Like I just won the Super Bowl. Like I was so fired up afterward. And so I think that experience and then the, the, like just the intimacy that brings in relationship is just unbelievable. And so having those moments reminded me, okay, there actually is something that is profound and deep and important and necessary in this way of doing things. And like to have found it, I, I think I realized then what the barrier had been the way we were doing things before. We were, we were kind of blocking that last level of intimate relationship because of this kind of dismissive um, equational, like if, if this, like, well, I know you don't want to speaking, but you just did this. And that's what that requires. Like, and you know, once, once we started getting, trying to aim to, to be connected with the whole child, the whole heart, um, it, it got a lot more difficult and it became a lot more worth it. Yes. Um, I yeah. think I hear you saying you really kind of changed what your quote unquote desired outcome was like what the definition mm-hmm. of what works Yes. Yeah. And it shifted yeah. from, it wasn't about, is my kid doing what I want them to do, what I expect them to do, what society expects them to do, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And versus is my kid have the uh, ability to be their true whole selves, yeah. kind of regardless of what that looks like. Yeah. 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 Well, and, you know, there's still, it's a, this transracial adoptive parenting thing is is a whole other layer on top of that right yes. because there is this really complicated web for us of well okay so i watch the news so i i observe what's going on like we have you know typical white person to say I've got lots of friends of color you know right yes <laughs> and so we know we know experiences that are different than our own we we have like you know one of my best friends in the world played you know, fullback for the, for the uh, Baltimore Ravens in the NFL. And like, you know, was a wealthy, successful, I mean, college football superstar played in the NFL is now a pastor, like, you know, the most upright standing hu- human being on the face of the planet. And, you know, has been taken out of his car a billion times um, and had his car searched and stuff, you know, which is kind of funny when you think about it, like, like he's a, he's a pastor. And like, before that he was a football player and he was a chaplain on the team, you know, like, and yet he's like, I mean, he's had all these experiences. So I know as we talk and as we talk about kind of what lessons have to be sort of taught growing up, I mean, there is this fine line of like, I can't fully 
um, I have to dig in with you at home and create a safe environment here. But then we also have to know how to switch a little bit so that, you know, there are things, there is a hard line in the world. So like here, yes, you are safe. You are a whole, like you, you know, we're going to allow some space and some grace for us to be um, fully ourselves. And sometimes that's going to get real messy and and gross, but um, other times, What's going to happen is when you're out in public, you're going to have to understand how to navigate these lines and how to read situations and how, and it just brings a lot of different angles to parenting and um, being able to teach somebody to be watchful for that, but not to be like gripped in fear by that is a, is a tough task. But I think if, if we don't have a safe place at home, then there's not that trust to build that belief system. Right. So like, if there's not the trust there, then what reason do my kids have to listen to me and, and, and like trust my opinions on something if I've not had those same experiences, but if there's trust there and if there's like a multitude of relationships around us there, there then can be this trust built and teaching built that, that can protect the, and kind of give them the tools they need to be, to navigate the world, um, you know, wisely. And, um, and it's, I mean, that's the most difficult thing on the face of the planet to do, but um, I think, I, I feel like we have a little bit of a roadmap for it now, you know? I wanted to pause the episode real quick and read you this testimonial from one club member. This person writes in, the club has been life-changing for me. For me, feeling alone in the stress and the overwhelm of parenting a child with complex trauma has been traumatic. Here in the club, we are finding healing for ourselves by feeling seen and heard and validated, even though we may have come here for our children's healing. Oh, y'all, that is exactly what I'm trying to do in the club to create a space that's for you that also brings healing to your kids. So the club's open for new members until April 28th. We'd love to have you. RobinGobel.com slash the club. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, well, the word trust feels so just accurate and honest right now that like, there's so many layers of trust in in what you described, trust in yourself, trust in your kid. Uh, Honestly, there's some trust in like society there in a way that maybe like, if you weren't, you know, a white person, you wouldn't have that same level of trust and, and also some heartbreak and how young our kids have to take on this responsibility of switching you know, code switching and and changing how they're behaving in certain contexts. And there's just, yeah, it's, yes. I just noticed that. And and a level of like grief and sadness that doesn't exist in my own life. Like that's not a part of my personal journey. Well, and so we have kids through adoption and biological kids in the house too. That means there's a different level of teaching for our biological kids as well. Like, Hey, you know, these things are happening in the world. And like, it is your responsibility as a person of privilege to then like be a voice that stands up and be a, be a backbone that is straight in these situations and that can stand tall when moments come to stand tall. And, you know, this, like we're already having these conversations of like, Hey, you're probably going to have to let um, your other siblings drive you around sometimes if it's later at night, like, you know, we're going to be mindful of these situations and, um, and you know, I, I, like, I think, you know, obviously some of these situations, we're just taking them as they come. I, I listened to a podcast today about self-driving cars. Maybe our kids will never drive. I have no idea, but like, yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're trying to kind of prep for our kids who are biological also to know like, Hey, you're, you're also going to have to have eyes for these situations so that you know how to calmly and peacefully engage in a situation to be able to protect on the behalf of somebody. Like if you have a certain entry into a conversation that somebody else doesn't have, where you can enter into a conversation with some inherent trust because of the way you look, then you have to leverage that then to be able to benefit a situation. Um, whether it be like with, with police or, or just a, you know, somebody or, um, in a store or, you know, whatever, there's all kinds of situations like that, 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 uh, that happen. And so I think the cool thing in that is, 
you know, there's, there's obviously a lot of grief in that. There's a lot of like heartbreak and difficult, like just, just the, it shouldn't be this way yes. that crime and justice that, that just, you know, you have to like deal with all the time. It doesn't though, like, uh, it doesn't make it not beautiful. <laughs> like the, the beauty of like understanding those layers and seeing them kind of process what they're seeing around them in the world and come home and ask questions. Like there's moments of going, Oh man, like, I think they really are understanding here. Like, I think they're really starting to get how to, um, how to, how to navigate situations. And so it's, it's exciting. It's difficult. It's, it's, you know, like there's laughter and tears and, um, yelling and silence and all that, you know, um, yes. all kind of wrapped up into one, <laughs> one, uh, package. And that doesn't even begin to deal with like layering homeschool and or virtual school and like, uh, COVID madness on top of it. Right. All of that on top. Now, I, I, I think I'm also hearing you say a little bit, what it feels true for me is I, I fell into, you know, the science that's underneath connected parenting and relational neuroscience mm-hmm. and interpersonal neurobiology professionally, you know, I was like, I'm getting hurt in my own therapy room and this isn't working for me or the kids. So I've got to find something else. (laughs) And what I found has changed every aspect of my life. And it's made me, you know, a better mom. It's made me a better social worker. It's made me, you know, it's helped me have the ability to raise a kid who now I think also is able to stand up and advocate for injustice. You know, like he's got that sense of self. He's got the ability to say like, no. And, and so how this one, you know, like for you, it was parenting. And for me, it was like, oh, I want to be a better therapist and not get hurt in the therapy room. How that's just changed every, every cell in my being. And that I really needed. It's not like, I, I think I likely was searching for it and just using that as an excuse. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's what, it's what all of us are looking for, right? Yes. Like at the end of the day, what, what every human being longs for is connection. Like they long to be connected to other people. Um, and they long to be, you know, there's a phrase I used to hear all the time growing up, uh, but, but they long to be fully known and fully loved. Like, and, and that is such a rare occurrence in a world of hurt people that it doesn't come naturally. Right. And so like, it's not natural for us to open up uh, and and share our deepest wounds with another person and live to tell about it. You know, like usually that costs you dearly. Like you open up and you share your deepest stuff and usually it comes back to bite you in a really ugly way. But um, I think what we're, what we're discovering and have discovered is that like, if you don't ever go there, then you don't get the depth of joy and the depth of, of humanity that you do if you're willing to live fully and, and kind of like, and be fully connected in these relationships. And so um, it's a lot of apologizing and a lot of uh, going back and it's like, I know why you say you can't trust me now. I know that I know. Cause I, you know, I told you I would try really hard not to, when I'm upset, do this, this, or this. And like, I know that now it feels like I've broken your trust. I'm really sorry about that. Like, and, and to have to sit in that, right. Like um, just because it's a child saying that to an adult does not negate the hurt that was caused or the, um, or the pain that's caused by this little human who's trying to learn how to trust and, and is, is, dealing with these breaches in relationship, right? Like, even if it's something over, you know, as small as like, you know, you said you wouldn't yell again. I was like, well, I know, but you, whatever, like, you know, it, it, um, that, that attachment dance of like, you know, stuff is ruptured, stuff is repaired, stuff is ruptured, stuff is repaired is difficult, but that those repetitions just create this strength in relationship that is, I mean, to me, unparalleled in, um, other relationships. And like you've been saying, it's not just, in parenting. I mean, that's, that's the thing about it. Like is it's, it's made uh, our marriage stronger. It's maybe a better friend. It's maybe a, a more, a more careful um, talker. Like, I mean, as you can probably gather, like, I don't have to be asked to talk very much, right? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm usually willing to share my opinion with anyone who will listen. Um, and what it's done is now that I do have a, 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 kind of a different access to relationships than I have before. I think that it has allowed me to speak with a lot more um, care and um, pause than I used to. And I assume a whole lot less and I, you know, give the, you know, the benefit of 
everybody's got their own story and I don't know what it is until, until they share it with me. And so I, I'm, if I, when I assume I know that story beforehand, like I lose out on this, you know, incredible richness to a relationship. And so, um, yeah, so it, it's just, it's changed everything, not just parenting. So you may have heard that the club is open today for just a few days for new members. And I wanted to share with you what this club member said about her time in the club. This member says, I was way more successful handling a stressful situation than I would have been a year ago. And it is truly a result of the material I've learned through Robin and the club. Oh my gosh, y'all. I love, love, love hearing that. There's no way that we can promise that the stress from your kids is going to change because we're just not in control of anybody else but ourselves. But what we can do is work to change how we respond to those stressors. And that's what we do over in the club. We are open for new members from now until the 28th of April, and we would love to have you. So I, if it's cool, I want to go back to the story you were telling about the hour and a half um, where you had this moment of like, okay, this is the first time because I think I heard something really important. I want to make sure I heard it correctly. Was that like the change moment, like the moment of like, kind of, I would call it, it was almost this like clicking, like this thing that Mm -hmm. happens for me internally, where it wasn't that your um, child did something different or all of a sudden, like the tone of their you know, tantrum change. Cause sometimes we're, I can listen for that as, as a parent and as a therapist too. Like all of a sudden, like they change. It's like, Oh, okay. Okay. But what I heard you say, was there a moment where you changed where you, there was an internal shift for you or all of a sudden it's like, you were doing what they said to do, like stay present, right. stay there, ha- ask, are you ready to talk yet? Nope, not yet. Okay. I'm still here. Anyway, and you were right. doing all the things and it sounds like you were doing them really well and really like intentionally and you really meant it like it wasn't like this you weren't faking it is what I'm hearing you say but even still there was still a moment where you had this like internal like click where all of a sudden like the felt sense of like oh like you're behaving this way because you feel terrible yeah and then the compassion that welled up changed you and then that almost was like communicated energetically in the air and reached your kid. Yeah. If this had been a movie, it, it, it would have been the moment of the big groundswell of music and like the, the like fast moving montage of all the things I had learned sort of like clicking in one moment, you know, cause it wasn't, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't even as much like, um, it wasn't as much me realizing the hurt in the moment. I think I already knew the hurt was there. And I had, because I had learned sort of mechanically that there was other hurt there. I kind of knew that, but we still have emotions too. So early on, I didn't really care. I was just mad. Like, like, I just wanted to watch football. Now I'm stuck in here. Like, you know, and so uh, like, I know you're hurt. Just regulate yourself. Like, and so, (laughs) but I'm in there early on and just, and all the stuff that I had learned kind of cold, the scientific stuff, you know, was there. And I think what, what clicked was just when I kind of went back to the well again, like, Hey, what, what happened? Like that, that like turn of the face and eye contact where there was like, I could tell we were back in our full functioning brain. It was like, I watched all those diagrams I'd seen in the whole brain child. And then, um, and then, uh, the classes we had taken and the descriptions of what happens when the amygdala finally like relents and opens back up to your whole, opens up access to your whole brain again. I saw it happen. Right. And so when I saw it happen, it all of a sudden like revalidated everything we had been learning and like, it was a moment of, of, of like faith, right? Like uh, of faith becoming this real, like, I believe this stuff was true because it all made sense. And there was science to back it up. I hadn't seen it happen in a flesh and bone human being yet. And then when I saw it happen, it was like, Oh man. Okay. Okay. They're telling the truth. And this is real. Like, then that, that is actually what's happening. So when I watched like a child become regulated or even whatever, 
kind of regulated, even like start to like open up that regulation. Like it, like, like we talked about on our show, when you came on talking about co-regulation, like it regulated me, like right, seeing right. that, like seeing that moment of them coming back into themselves, like brought me back. Like yeah, all of a sudden I was like, I'm locked in, I'm tethered back in. I'm like ready to talk at, at that point with all the compassion in the entire world, because it was like, okay, they were dysregulated. Now they're regulated. And that's a really small thing, you know, but the first time you, you see it happen, like it, it is a game changer, you know? Absolutely. This moment of, of meeting and to have to feel it. So it's, it's such a, like what, it, what I think I'm hearing you say is like, just in such this embodied way. It was so yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, to have like, Oh, what they're saying is, is real. And then again, like for me, it's like the, it's always interesting for me when I hear it's, it's information when I hear people say, well, it doesn't work. It's like, well, maybe what we need to do is think about what works means. Like what's our end game here? Yeah. 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 Well, what you said too, like that there was a, uh, Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, uh, well, I'll come back to it at some point you know, in that, in that moment, like, there was a, a realization that it worked and, and we are then discussing and talking and trying to kind of plod through and work out what had happened. But the next time that it happened, it was a little bit faster, right? Like it, it, it happened a little bit quicker and like we both sort of knew the map to it. So I would say now, yeah. you know, years down the road, <laughs> they know I'm going to come you know, chasing a bat for them a few minutes later, right? Like they know that we're going to eventually going to have to talk about whatever happened. And, but those, those adjustments are quicker because just as soon as you, as you figure out what works with a kid, they change stages of life and all yes. of a sudden it doesn't yes. work anymore. And like, Hey buddy, can you push down the wall? You get like, why don't you push down the wall? Yeah. yeah. You push on the wall. Okay. Uh-huh. Like, I'm fine. If you're lucky. <laughs> that's what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I censored that one, but like, um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, like it, it and so you have to start shifting and figuring out new new ways of of connecting. But um yeah. If, yeah. if whatever I was gonna say comes back to me out. <laughs> well, what you when you said it's like when you said it's almost like now we had a map, like that just I mean, I just really felt that. And I know that feeling too, of feeling like I'm going to trust because I think this makes sense, but it feels like we're just walk like there's blindfolds and we're just hoping that we don't like step into a bottomless pit in a way. Right. And then when all of a sudden it's like, Oh, okay. There's, there's a map, you know, and it's not a step-by-step do this, 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 and this, but there is like this, there's a new guide almost. And now I know it's there and there's yeah. this new level of trust for both, I think, us as adults and our kid. Like, totally. oh, we can trust each other to hold on long enough. Right. Sometimes, not all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> enough of the well, times. Right. And there's that there's that teaching that has to happen where, like, I mean, you can't take a kid where you haven't been. So, you know, they're always gonna hold on less than you are in the beginning. And and they are, are having to work up to that belief of going like, okay, well, I think I can actually stay in it. Right. Like that trust is, is able to hold even when we are, you know, all the way out in the middle of the, of the Canyon or whatever. <laughs> like, and so, you know, if we don't, if, if at the first sign of distrust from a kid or a snapback from a kid where they all of a sudden, like stop following the plan I've been taught, right. like, if we didn't snap back out and see this is why I can't do that because you won't do like, then all we do is reinforce that that can't be trusted with them. Right. But if we can, if we can hang on a little bit longer and, and be patient um, there's an analogy that a guy gave me, and this was years ago when I was, I was doing um, after school programs and well, all kind of stuff in, in the hood. And I, like, I remember I was talking to this guy who had been working doing youth programs for, I don't know, 30 years in the neighborhood. And he was white also. And we were in a majority black neighborhood. And he had said like, Hey, nobody's going to trust you in the beginning. And they shouldn't like, yeah. nobody should trust you. And he's like, let's just go through history real quick. And he gave me like a history of that 
particular neighborhood. And it was, you know, after Dr. King was killed in 1968, there were race riots that that hit that neighborhood specifically because it was a a mixed neighborhood at the time. And it was really, really difficult and hard and all that. So he was like, just know, like, nobody should trust you out of the gate. And he was like, and if anybody does trust you out of the gate, like really care, like, don't listen to them. Don't pay attention to them at all because they're trying to play you. And so like, (laughs) he, uh, he said, I want you to know, like, like regular relationships, the hurdle is this high to earn trust. Like, you know, he goes, if you've grown up in the neighborhood and you knew their person, you know, their grandma grew up here also, like your hurdle is this high to earn trust. You still got to earn trust with, you know, to be in a relationship with somebody. He said, for you, the hurdles up here. He's like, you got a higher hurdle to jump to earn trust. But he said, once you do get over that hurdle, like you're good and you're, and you're part of the neighborhood, you're, you're in here for life. Like, and, uh, and that was the most true thing that I've, that I've ever learned about relationships that like, Based on a person's individual history, uh, you're going to have a, a varying height of hurdle to jump to earn trust with that person. But once you have done the initial work to earn that initial wave of trust with the person, it becomes easier and easier to build after that. Um, and uh, that and that's been true with all of our kids. Like we had some repairing to do with our with our older kids because they had experienced like the first wave of like old school parenting we were trying to do, and uh, and there was there was not going to be trust there, you know, like, um, like there just wasn't like we had, we had used tactics and I mean, not abusive, obviously, but like just, you know, generic old school, like tough nose parenting, like do what I say the first time with the happy heart or like, we're going down the consequence train. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and so like to, to show them that we meant for like, that we were serious about actually repairing things and actually, um, having those redos instead of consequences so that you get the muscle memory of doing things right. And the understanding of what it feels like to do that the right way. Once that kind of settled in with them, um, we were good, but that initial hurdle was, was much higher to jump to earn trust, you know? Hey, I'm jumping into the middle of this episode real quick to share with you what this club member has to say about their time in the club. They say, what an incredible community. It was my first Connection Co-Regulate session just now, and it was so incredible to share stories and experiences. Perhaps it's even more profound being across the world from each other. Oh, I totally agree that the fact that the club has members from all corners of the world really does make the experience more profound. I want the club to give you parenting tools, but more than that, I want the club to undo the sense of aloneness. I want the club to create community and togetherness. And by bringing to people all over the world, we're able to do just that. The club is open from now until Friday, April 28th, and we would love to have you. What my mentor in the field, um, Bonnie Badenak, has taught, she taught me, and this is exactly what you're saying, that it's not my client's job to trust me. It's my job to trust my client, yeah. to trust yeah. that every moment of, of how, how they're showing up in that moment is exactly how they need to show up in that moment. Yeah. And there's a reason for them to trust me. Right. Like right. that, the job, my job isn't to get my client, you know, to trust me. That's not, or their job right. isn't to trust me. It's my right. job to trust them and their implicit world. And that 100%. is absolutely true about, yeah. about our job as parents and probably 14 billion times harder in a role <laughs> as a parent than it is as a therapist, because right. as a therapist, I have to do that for like 50 minutes. Totally. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'll see you next week. And then I get to have a coffee break and check my email and do it again. And as a parent, you know, if I could just give you 50 minutes at a time and coffee breaks and you, you know, scroll your Facebook feed, you know, we might be golden, but to keep showing up with this sense of it's my job to trust you. It's my job to trust you. It's my job to trust you. And to keep doing that relentlessly. I mean, man, that's a lot of work. You know, I think that we talked about the, like how information can kind of change into this yeah. sort of like whole body, like uh, trust or whatever that, that information for me, like just the reminder of what hurt and harm does in, in the brain, like that, that to me was, and, and not to kind of like to go on horn, but like the empowered to connect, like 
magic, so to speak, for us in that in that parenting class was that it was this mix of information. Like here's here is hard fact. Here are hard facts yep. about the brain and what happens. Yep. Here's pictures of brain scans. Here's, you know, uh, X, Y, and Z professional uh, who does this for a living, explaining exactly what is happening there. And then it was, uh, you know, we've got all these incredible videos of Dr. Purvis and her work and getting to see them at the Hope Connection camps and stuff. Um, And just then like opening up to this entire world of like getting to learn your work and getting to learn, you know, Jim Henry and Western Michigan, all these, all these people who have done these incredible, incredible, um, amount of, of work in this field, you, you begin to draw a more complete picture. And that all that does is helps to, to, to build up this empathy base so that when these different behaviors come, you can remember, Oh man, I bet. Like if you can, if you can see hurt and harm in behavior, it's way, way more difficult to snap on somebody without any compassion. Now, unfortunately, like, I mean, even this morning I had one of those moments, like, and sometimes we just, you know, we just, our humanity comes out in ways we don't want it to, but, um, but that, that was one of the major game changers was learning the information also, but, but also then like being able to see, um, and have some practical sort of tools to, to then put that information into relationship. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like I'm such a stickler for teaching the science and the theory because that yeah. exactly what you're saying is like, I don't want to just teach people a bunch of tools and techniques because they're meaningless without right. Right. context. But when we, you know, if we have enough connection to understanding the brain, understanding what's happening, you know, that exactly what you said, it gets, it just gets a little bit harder every day to react with anger, react with contempt, you know, when, and again, those are reasonable human reactions. And you and I very clearly said it gets harder, (laughs) not that it gets eradicated, (laughs) it gets harder. It just, and that's true. Like we're all still going to have our moments where, you know, no matter what has happened to me, and this is my job. I still have moments where it just all goes out the window. And frankly, I don't even care that it's gone out the window. Oh, <laughs> totally. know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, then, you know, <laughs> when we have those moments, like we then get to experience what it, what it's like sometimes to let it, to let it sit and not fix it. Uh-huh. And then like, once you know, like, once you know what it's like to be in a relationship that that is whole and is like full and real and all that. And then you're like, I don't want, I don't want to apologize for that. Like, ah, they're being terrible. I don't I don't even want to say anything about it. Like you, you know, the next time you see that person, you immediately are reminded of like, oh, well, this is miserable. I don't want to live this way. Like, all right, let yeah. me go have, have rip the bandaid off and have the hard conversation, you know? Um, and oftentimes it's because we don't want to apologize and like, we don't want to own our own stuff. You know, um, hey, Mo Iger might be the best person on earth that I know at just owning his stuff and just being with people, um, in their, in their hurt in their darkest moments. And he's, he's so good at that. And, um, yeah, I've just watched him over the years, like at, in, whether it's in these classes or just in, in life, like. You know, people kind of push back on things and be really critical of this stuff and, and him just kind of sit there and be able to like hear it and understand where they're coming from and try to like process with them, but not be hurt when, you know, they might choose like, well, this still isn't for me. I don't care, whatever. Um, and I just, you know, it's, it's just reminded me like in those moments where like, you know, like one of our kids might be somebody who just like does not want to hear it or is over it um, that, I have the patience, like I have the information. I know this stuff is, is like really what, you know, works for us in relationship. And so I'm willing to stick it out and, and be there. And that, that then builds, you know, some patience for people to stick it out with me when I'm not there, you know, Absolutely. um, which is what we all need. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh gosh, this has been so fun. I'm not sure if we laughed as hard as we laughed when I was on your podcast, but it has been <laughs> rich and joyful and there's so many things where i'm like oh and i listen to this i'm gonna that's gonna be the quote i pull out i was like oh wait i already just uh, oh that oh that that <laughs> so we'll see how many we'll see how many like pulled out quotes i i end great. up with great. well we'll Thank have to you. get you back on uh our show too um this this coming fall um and and see if we can again like break our break our laugh record 
that would be, it will be fun to try regardless of what, what the for end sure, result is. For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you for your time today. You're a busy guy. You've got a lot going on and I'm so, I'm truly so grateful to everyone, parent professional who's honestly at this stage, even in the pandemic still has a, a, a part of them that is able to, to, to show up for other people, which is what we're yeah. doing right now. We're showing up for, for yeah. other people. And I just have so much gratitude that you want to do that and that you, that you can do that. So thank you. Well, likewise, Robert. I mean, like we, you know, like we all need each other in that. Right. So like, um, <laughs> we're just, we're grateful for you too. I mean, cause moments that you're putting stuff out and you're in your right brain and you're like, you know, and you're putting great content out. Like there are moments where we are low and just not feeling it and where we need that too, you know? So I think, um, it's, a, it goes both ways. So we, yeah, I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Well, it's nice to imagine almost this whole, this web that all of us are contributing to. And just like you right. said, like some days I need a boost and y'all yeah. are out there and sometimes you need a boost yeah. and, and I'm out there and it's yeah. really awesome sure. to imagine yeah. it working that way. So agreed. All agreed. right. Agreed. Thanks JD. And yes, we'll do this again. All right. Sounds great. One of my favorite parts of hosting this podcast is introducing you to people who care about you and your kids and adore you and your kids as much as I do. I want you to know that even though you have a hard time or even an impossible time finding people to really help your family, we really truly do exist in the world. And we are tirelessly working to make there be more people like us. We are working so hard to increase the number of professionals out there who know how to be with and support your families. I promise. JD Wilson is absolutely one of those people and he's using his gifts to impact as many people as possible. I'll be linking to the Empowered to Connect podcast down in the show notes, but you just have to search for Empowered to Connect in your podcast player, the same one you're you're using right now to listen to this episode. You'll find it right away. Don't forget to hit subscribe. You're going to want to listen to all of his episodes. All of and he has a co-host, Tona, who's amazing as well. We just decided to do guest interviews on my podcast separately. So I'll be getting Tona on soon too. Thanks y'all for joining me on this podcast. I'm just really, really, really grateful for you. Thank you for your commitment to kids and to families and, and to making the world a better place by embodying the science of relationships. I'll see you next week. Are you ending this episode with maybe big sigh of relief. Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids. But also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash being with, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. 
Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you can get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you can just head to my website, download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now. And I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.